Silva under no pressure. 25 out from his own line. Got through some pretty on-red offence. Chance here for the Bulldogs. Silva being chased. They won't catch him. Silva. Rob Silva. Yes. Hello and welcome to the Bulldogs fans podcast. I'm Scott. I'm joined by Matt, but we've got a legendary fullback. The one and only Rocket Rod Silva. How are you, mate? I'm great. Um, yeah. Happy on holidays for another week. Um, got the house to myself. So, yeah, I'm going all right. Well, thanks for, thanks very much for agreeing to come on the podcast and spending a few, uh, yeah, a little bit of time with us. It's always a great pleasure for us to talk to former players. Um, We've come in contact with you a couple of times. You've always been very uh, welcoming. So thanks for that as well. Um, was being a professional rugby league player always your dream? Um, I don't know about being a professional rugby league player, but when you're a kid and you play football, mm. you want to play first grade. So, you know, that's every kid's dream. And when you get there, it's, it's like, it's unrealistic. It's an unrealistic feeling because you know how many of your mates and you know your relatives and everyone you grew up with would like to have made it so i think you know you've you've obviously got to be good enough but you've got to have a bit of luck on the way too so um the stars have to align in my opinion and it's a real privilege to play first grade so when did you start playing rugby league and who was your junior club so i started when i was four and um when I was young, we lived in Chippendale. So um, the first club I played for was Moore Park. Um, so we stayed there until I started school and then we moved out to Mount Druitt. And then I played junior football in, in the Penrith Juniors before I got graded. So I played for a different couple of clubs, um, Shelby Devils uh, and Leftridge Park Ravens. And, Le- and Leftridge Park was my, my more or less my senior club that I, I played for from under 15s to A grade. Um, and then I got graded. So, yeah, it was good. It was, it was a tough area because we had so many t- uh, teams and so many divisions. So, um, yeah, it was pretty competitive. We know those areas very, very well. <laughs> Were you um, always a fullback coming through the juniors? No, no, no. I was. Uh, I played five eight up for a lot of my juniors, and then um, a couple of years I played in the centres. So it was five eight in the centres, and then um, probably my last year uh, under nineteens, I played fullback, and then yeah, I went when I got graded at the Roosters. Um, I just said really any, you know, you, you kind of say your main position, but I said anywhere in the backs. <laughs> so, yeah. One of my favourite questions uh, at the start is, who did you go for when uh, when you were growing up? And so when I was growing up, I went for the Parramatta Eels. Oh. Oh. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, I did. Um, but they had, you know, I, I loved the way they played footy um, and, and that magic back line. Like, who couldn't love them? Um, you know, Sterling, Kenny, Ella, Cronin, uh, Growth. And then they had Hun on the other wing and Paul Taylor as the fullback. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the way they played footy. 
think that makes you the third former Bulldog player to say that you're a Parramatta Eels fan <laughs> in that Bulldog generation. That was a He said when you were growing up. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Once, yeah. I, once, I went, once I went to the dogs, that all changed. <laughs> and my wife, my wife was a, a mad Bulldog supporter before um, we, we started going out. And my two daughters have only ever gone for the Bulldogs. And they're 26 and 20. They're 26 and 24. So, uh, yeah, they're bulldogs. <laughs> my my mother-in-law, you know, all my um, wife's uncles and aunties, they all grew up in that Panania area. So, and Reesby, they're all at Canterbury. It's oh, good to hear. Good to hear. Um, <laughs> when, when you were playing, did you have any sort of like game day rituals or any superstitions at all? Um, no, not really. Um, unfortunately, especially my, my time at the Roosters, it was kind of Tuesday, Thursday night training and Saturday morning. So uh, unfortunately, I, and I hate to say this because I don't want to take away from playing first grade, but it was just something I did on the weekends. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. If you, you probably could tell that sometimes. Like, I don't know. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, I just felt, you know, it was just something you did. Um, I didn't really put much time, or especially in my younger years when I got graded, I didn't know about diets or doing weights. Uh, it was just uh, uh, when I first went to the Roosters, a, a bloke named Ronnie Palmer um, was the first grade trainer. He was a really good man and he could individualise stuff for you. And then they had a sprint coach named Jack Giddy. I, I think he's passed on now, but yeah, he taught me how to run properly because <laughs> apparently I didn't run properly, which I didn't know. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, no, it was just all these different um, training techniques and stuff that I wasn't, I, you know, I just played football because I loved it, but I didn't really realise about your diet or your weights or, you know, doing the right thing. And, you know, I, I know I missed out on a lot of things playing rugby league, um, like mates' parties, weddings, you know, stuff like that. And my and my wife, and when we first started going out, my she was my girlfriend and then my fiancé, but she went to a lot of things by herself. So there was times, you'd, you know, I just couldn't go because we're either away or it probably wasn't the right thing to go to a wedding the night before you had a big game. Yeah. And you started your career in 1988 and you played your last game in 2001. So how was yeah. the difference between the two preparation styles then? Because we would have obviously, the game's gone for a super league. It's gone for a, another level of professionalism. Was it more full-on, more a full-time job towards the end of your career? Yeah, it was. It was. And because I, uh, so I played seven, my first seven years were with the Roosters and then my last seven were with the Bulldogs. So I was very lucky. Didn't really have many injuries, but just like you said, um, the professionalism of the game changed. Uh, and, and in the last four years, uh, with Super League, I, I had a Super League contract with the Dogs, so they wanted everyone to be full-time. And between the Roosters and joining the Dogs, I knew Rugby League wasn't forever, and I always wanted to be a cop. So I, I um, organised it to go to the academy in the off-season to do my six months training. And then, yeah, um, when I came back, uh, like I was with the Roosters when I left. And then when I came back, I was with the Bulldogs. So um, 
Yeah. And the Bulldogs, for the last four years of my football career, they wanted me to be full-time. So during the season, I work set shifts because um, I, I, for some strange reason, reason I, I, or not, it's probably not a strange reason, but I just couldn't think football, you know, seven days a week, which um, I don't know if that's weird or strange or normal, but um, I, I found the policing role because I was, you know, really wanted to be a cop and I found it really good to take my mind away from thinking rugby league all the time. So I, I think the policing role was good for me and I, I had great bosses and great roster people so I could work set shifts during the footy season and then in the off season, I'd go back to normal full-time shifts, which suited everyone. And then I, it was tough for my wife because I'd get all the shifts that most cops didn't want to work, like New Year's Eve and Christmas and that. But that's the sacrifice, I suppose, we had to make um, just to um, keep me being a cop while I was playing footy. How did you sort of juggle? Like I know you said if you, you'd set shifts and all that sort of thing, but being an NRL player, uh, you know, being watched by thousands of people every weekend, uh, and then also being a police officer, was it was it odd or unusual? Were you recognised a lot? Or? Mm. It, it, it was kind of it was funny and it was funny and strange and weird sometimes because whenever you're going through a pub, you know, doing a walkthrough, you'd get the the drunk blokes who'd recognise you and start giving it to you. And then you'd always get the drunk um, other people saying, arrest me and, you know, all cops get that. But then if you're going to calls um, like um, a domestic or a house party or, you know, a noise complaint, you normally get it, you, you know, I'd probably say five times out of ten, you get people that recognise you and that would help you sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes it would hinder you because, you know, they'd want to be, because they'd had a couple of drinks, they probably wanted to test themselves and see how much they could give it to you. Even though, you know, you're acting as a policeman. I, I think I always took it in good, you know, good jest. Um, never took it too serious. Um, I, I normally gave it back to <laughs> whoever was giving it to me. Um, but yeah, it was, it was all good fun. And, I'd like to think it helped me more than it hindered me. Absolutely. Did you have anyone try to race you or get you to tackle them <laughs> so they could say, oh, I was tackled by an NRL player? <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got a couple of weird um, <laughs> requests, but yeah. Um, most of the time I could get away with it by saying, oh, look, we've got another job we've got to go to. So, you know, all the best. <laughs> you're policing with playing footy. How, um, even when you're like the finals that week, like when you were playing finals footy with Canterbury, was that, were you still doing that at the same time as well? Like, you didn't take any time off? Um, no, just, yeah, because I was working Mondays and Tuesdays um, and they were night shifts. So normally during the week, early in the week, no matter what round it was, Monday nights we were, was, we were unaffected with training. Mm. Maybe Tuesday morning, you know, getting up, um, like some video sessions I did, <laughs> I did doze off in a couple of video sessions and the coach kind of missed Chris, Chris Anderson, give it to me, but um, <laughs> it wasn't too bad. You know, everyone was pretty supportive. Um, 
we had Punchy Nelson at the dogs. So he, you know, he was a high-ranking cop, and the dogs, the Bulldogs, had a lot of police connections anyway. So they understood, and they knew I wasn't doing it for the money. It was just because mm. I—that's something I wanted to be after football. So they were happy for me to do it, and I think I was the only one who was still working <laughs> at the dogs when um, we were playing Super League. So um, yeah. I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, it was good for me. But um, yeah, I don't know how the club thought it. Let's throw it back to your debut game, nineteen eighty eight, for Eastern Suburbs. Uh, yeah. Do you remember how you were told um, that you were playing your first first grade game? It was kind of weird. Uh, Arthur Beatson was the coach, and we because I was playing under twenty ones, we had a buy because uh, first grade and reserve grade were going to the Gold Coast. And um, I think Arthur had a conversation with um, my coach, Vince Waite. And Arthur said he wanted me to play. And kind of Vince told me, <laughs> Vince kind of said, mate, um, Arthur wants you to play first grade this week. Um, what do you reckon? <laughs> and being a young, naive, I go, really? I, I think I reacted like, really? Of course I want to play first grade, but I felt really uh, my loyalty was with my 21s so I felt a, a little bit strange about it but um, and I thought it was weird that I was getting asked if I wanted to play first grade so I thought it you know if you get picked there's not much you can do and, and of <laughs> course I, I wanted to play first grade but I just I, I don't know I, because I'd never been in that position before I, I didn't I felt funny about playing first grade and, you know, although a couple of my mates from my team got picked and, and played it, I think Steve George Allison, maybe Steve Deacon might have come up and, and, and Corey Stewart um, and played in the different games, like first and reserve grade. So it was a great experience and I, the blokes that I played with that first game, I, I really looked up to, but it was kind of a different world and, um, I didn't know what to expect. When you playing the under twenty ones and you're like you know you're committed to the twenty ones and you got randomly asked, do you, would you were you aware of how the Roosters were going in the top level or were you so focused on the twenty ones that you weren't really too sure how they were travelling? Well, yeah, I, I suppose to be honest, I, I wasn't really worried about them. <laughs> I was worried about my team because we had a really good team and Andy Parramatta beat us in the grand final that year and they had a pretty good team too. But they were just too good on grand final day, but we had a really star-studded side. So, um, yeah, I, I think I was just worried about our team and, and, yeah, just worried about playing good for them. What was it like to be coached by Arthur Beetson? Yeah, it was a highlight because he didn't really say much. He's kind of like a bit like Jack Gibson. Like they say one sentence and it means like, a paragraph. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but yeah, Arthur, what I remember about him and the way he coached was he, he kind of, you got picked on your ability, like what you, what you could do. So he kind of left it up to you. And um, I think if you gave, you know, a hundred percent, everything was fine. So um I only had him for that one game, so yeah, I can't really tell you. But I, I, I know he was loved, very much loved by everyone at the 
you know, everyone that ever put the jersey on. And um, even if he didn't play first grade, anyone that played for East when he was there, um, he was loved. And every time he spoke, everyone listened. So he, he had a really good positive effect on everyone, I think, in, including the staff, um, you know, off the field. When you actually went to play like the first game, who was the first but Do you remember the first person you told that you were playing first grade and what their reactions were to that? Um, it was it was it was probably my wife, and we were only going out then, so she wasn't my wife. <laughs> it was her, and then um, I think I, I told my mum and my dad, and you know the family. They were all pretty happy for me, um, and my mates. So. Yeah, everyone was pretty happy. I, I think it was my girl. I told first my wife, and um, and then I told my mum and my dad, and my and my brothers and my sisters. So, and then my mates. So, <laughs> it, it, it was a while ago. So, <laughs> that, that's how I remember it. So maybe I, I don't know if that was the right order, but I'm pretty sure I told my girl, and then my parents, and then my brothers and sisters, and then my mates. Right, you said it was a while ago, so the next question might be interesting. <laughs> Do you remember your first try in the top grade? Um, no, <laughs> not at all. I, I can't remember. It would, it would have been in, I know, I know I didn't score a try in that first game, so it wouldn't have been 88. It would have been 89. Um, yeah, but I don't know when or who against. Round 22 against the Gold Coast Tweedhead Giants. Oh, wow. <laughs> there you, you go. debuted against them and scored against Hey? I said, you. oh, sorry, you debuted against them and then a year later, you, or the following season, you scored your first yeah. try against them. So. Wow. wow. Well, there you go. You're telling me something I didn't know. <laughs> but you can tell I people... Remember. I couldn't remember. You can tell people you ran the length of the field. <laughs> no. 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 No, I'd get caught out. My, my wife or my daughters would pull me up and say, no, that's not right, Dad. Or that's not right. So, yeah, it wouldn't be worth it. Um, you played a few games on the wing with East as well as a couple on the bench. What was it like on the bench for being like a fullback? Uh, not, not very good. And, yeah, I, yeah I, I don't know, looking back on my time, being on the bench, uh, yeah. I think when I was on the bench, I think that was more of a disciplinary thing or because I'd signed Super League, I think, when I was on the bench a couple of times. Um, especially in 94, I remember, that was the week I went to the academy and I got named, but that was, things changed. Mark Murray got sacked and Phil Gould came in, so... Yeah, I, I think I got started on the bench for that game. And then, um, yeah, I, I think it was more to do with me signing with Super League than anything, especially at the Roosters. Before we move on to Bulldogs, yeah. what was your favourite year at the Roosters? Um, I think probably 93. 93, I, I had a really good year. Um, I think we, we were going good. Uh, yeah, I would say 93. 92, I was going good until I got my jawbreaker by Les Davidson. But, and I missed the rest of the year after eight games. 
but 93 I come back and I was I was really worried about my jaw and I, I, I think I was a bit nervous about putting my head in the wrong place. So to come back and have a really good year, um, yeah, 93. And I think 93, I, actually, I got the Dalian fallback a year, so I must have went all right. Yeah, that was leading on to my next question. <laughs> I was going to say that um, winning that, like, what's it like winning an award like for the, you know, your position of the year award? What does that feel like? Really, I'm not... I felt, it made me feel proud, but uh, I was, you know, individual awards are great, but I'd rather us make the semis. And, mm. and unfortunately, yeah, my, my time at the Roosters, my seven years, we didn't make the semis. So, um, 92, I think we, when I was injured, we missed out by one point. And 93, I don't think we got close. Um, even though I had a great year, I would have given that up for um, a, a playoff game for sure. You touched on this a little a little second ago. But yeah. In 1995, you started the year at the Roosters and you ended the year at Belmore. How did, how did that all happen and go down? Uh, all right, so 94, uh, Mark Murray was the coach. So mm. I told him I was going to join the cops and he said, yeah, he was a school teacher, Mark Murray, real nice bloke, really approachable. We had a conversation. He said, look, mate, I said, Mark, uh, you know, football's not forever and I've always wanted to be a cop. And he was happy for me to go down to the academy. I said, look, I'll be away for six months and when the pre-season starts, I'll come back and do the testing. And he said, look, as long as you're fit, and you pass all the tests, mate, no dramas. So in that off-season, he got sacked. <laughs> so our agreement kind of had to be honoured by Phil Gould from my side of things. And I played the first two games for the Roosters uh, in first grade. And then the Super League ARL war started and I signed Super League because, you know, my manager said, that's the way to go. Super League's the way of the future, blah, blah, blah. So that didn't go too well with him. And the the Roosters were with the ARL. So their loyalty was with them. So after the first two games, and you know when you, you don't play good enough and, you know, a question mark, you should be dropped. Well, not that I, you know, really stuck up for myself but I probably should have because I don't know how you get dropped when we win. We lose the first two games and the only person to get dropped after two games is me. So I don't know how that works. And like I said, I've always been pretty honest about my football and, you know, I probably have been dropped. Sometimes when I, in my personal opinion, I didn't deserve to be dropped, but I definitely didn't in those, after those first two games, in my opinion. Uh, but that's the way it goes. And then after those first two games, um, I signed Super League. I signed with Super League. The next four games, I sat on the bench for reserve grade. And I, I, <laughs> a mate of mine, who I probably won't name, who played first grade for the Roosters, told me that I, he'd heard that I was never to play <laughs> another game for the club. So I think they were happy the powers that be were happy for me to sit off the whole year and not get a game. And look, I just wanted to play footy. So um, my manager said, you know, there's a couple of clubs interested and the Bulldogs were at the top of the list. And yeah, I said, 
I'd love to go to the Bulldogs because, you know, they're such a great club and they're competitive and there was an opportunity to, you know, if you played good, although they had a good fullback in Chris Tassel, um, there might be an opportunity. So, yeah, I went there and at the end of the year, I was playing first grade and we won the grand final. So it was a pretty good move. Absolutely. We'll get to that in a second. I just want to touch on something that pricked my ears then when you were just talking then. Did the players know something was happening before it came out publicly with the Super League War? Um, I think it, behind the scenes, all, all the players, like there was players going to secret meetings at the ARL and at Super League headquarters signing deals and seeing, the, you know, if they could get the best deals they can, which... You know, your football career is not for long, so you can't blame the players, in my opinion. You just do the best you can. Um, so there was a lot of that stuff. I, I think the players knew it was going to come down to two comps, so they were just trying to do the best they could for themselves and their families. Absolutely. It's just something that I find interesting because a lot of people who have gone on record have said, oh, I found out on that, that the day it was announced. There's always always that question mark uh, over how much did uh, players know before uh, it was publicly announced. Yes. I think they knew, mate. They I, knew think, a lot. I think they just were doing the best they could. And yeah. I, I suppose they didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings by saying that, you know, they didn't yeah. know what was going on when, yeah. in my opinion, everyone knew what was going on. It was just, it, it, there was still a process, I suppose. On a, uh, one of the things that actually got my attention was when you were sitting on the interchange bench for reserve grade roosters. Yeah. In your wildest dreams, did you think only a couple of months later you'd be lifting the premiership trophy at the uh, Sydney Football Stadium? No. The home of the roosters as well? <laughs> no, 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 no chance. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Like they say a, a week in rugby league is a long time, but there was no chance. I was just hoping to get back on the field and to play footy. So, yeah, those four weeks, I, because I didn't know, I didn't know what was happening behind the scenes and, you know, what had already been said by the powers of me about not getting a game and stuff. So, um, once I sorted that part of, or that, that part of the year out, uh, yeah, I was happy um, to move on and, and get a game with the dogs. So when you did come across to the Bulldogs, what was it like then playing against the club that you've, you were at for so long? Uh, it was weird. It was weird, but um, a lot of the personnel had changed. Like the blokes I played with, I think in 94, the next year, 95, out of the 13, there wouldn't have been many in that in the, in their 13. I, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I don't remember a lot of the blokes that I played with being in the side when I played against them. So, yeah, there was a lot of changes. Um, and, yeah, it did feel strange. The mid-season uh, signing, I mean, it didn't happen a lot back then. Um, but coming to the Bulldogs, was it weird? Um, you know, was how was the feeling? Were you welcomed in quite quickly by the club? Yeah, yeah, I was very welcomed. Not just me, but, you know, my wife and... Um, we had one then, so actually we didn't. No, Marley was born that year, so um, 
it was they were very welcoming uh you know Paul, it's everything you you guys know about the bulldogs is true they're the family club um bullfrog made sure you know the wives and the kids were always happy and that was the secret of keeping the players happy and everyone was happy so it was a very happy club and i i think we played like we liked each other <laughs> got on with each other so and, and we had blokes that could play football too so that helped but everyone was pretty passionate about our you know the club so what do you remember about the the grand final and then the post grand final celebrations so the grand final i remember it was a crazy day i remember going to the club getting dropped off by my wife early and the club was already packed and there was all our supporters um out the front of the club so you couldn't get in the doors and there was a few of us that turned up at the same time. I, I can't remember if uh, who, who was there at the time I turned up, but the players were getting cheered across the crowd into the club. It was crazy. It was crazy, but that's our supporters. We've always had the best supporters. Um, very passionate and loyal, even when you're not playing that good. They still stick with you. So uh, that's one thing I was really grateful about at the Bulldogs. And even now, you know, whenever I run into someone who's a Bulldog supporter, they've got nothing but um, time to have. And they love having a, a yarn and talking about the old days and um, how much they they've all got the same thing in common, They how much they love the club and um, the players that I've played for. So, uh, yeah, that, like I said, very crazy. Um, we got, the, I, I forget what time we had to be there, but we had to be there. I think we were having lunch or something, maybe a meeting or lunch or I can't even remember. But it was so, everything went so quick. Um, I just remember the mad crowd getting in the club, getting on the bus. Then the bus ride to the football stadium was crazy. We had all these, all our supporters blocking off major roads, like, you know, like they do with the president or the prime minister where they have the police escort. And like, they would, like Canterbury Road, they were blocking it off so the bus could drive through the intersection. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and, and that was the whole way to the football stadium with trumpets and drums and, you know, just fans everywhere. And then, yeah, once we got to the ground and that, I don't remember getting dressed. I don't, <laughs> don't remember warming up. I think we warmed up on the SCG, actually. Um, mm -hmm. And then we walked back to the sheds and then... I remember walking out and you could just feel the crowd. That was the best thing about the football stadium. The crowd's on top of you. Um, and then you blinked and it was half time. <laughs> and next minute it's over and um, we're the champs. So it was, it was massive for a couple of reasons, but I remember it was going to be bars last game. So uh, Bullfrog was the whole year was on about, you know, f finishing uh, on a, a good note for Bar because of his service and how much of a champion he, what he is. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. That's the semi-final series. Um, I think it was just, we never gave in. And our fitness, we're always fit. So, you know, we, 
we never worried about our fitness, but you know, it was just about hanging in there. Um, our playmakers doing the, you know, pulling the right cards at the right time. What was it like playing with Terry Lamb? Yeah, he's he's, he's inspirational. He's inspirational. He's he's more of uh, actions than words. But um, in saying that, if he said something, you know, you could hear a pin drop. But it was more about just doing the right thing. Like, you know, if someone had to make a tackle and help, like I remember that grand final, Manly probably score early if he doesn't lay on Terry Hill and, and tackle him in and off what, you know, from being offside. He gets 10 minutes in the bin, but he probably saved us from getting six against us. So it was always something like that, you know, and then he kicks a field goal at, a, at the right time. And just the, there was a long pass where I think he, him or Jimmy threw it. But, you know, just the moments in the game where he just does things and it, it, <laughs> it just creates momentum for us. And, and then once you get momentum in those big games, it's pretty hard to stop. You finished that season, like, as in, like, the regular season at sixth position and go on to win the grand final. Uh, how and, you know, from the get-go, was it always believing you were going to win it from that position on the ladder? Um, well, it, we always had self-belief, but... Um, I suppose we never really actually said, oh, we're going to win the comp, you know? Sorry, I just got to move because my dogs are... Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're carrying on. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was never, um, oh, yeah, we're going to win it. But, you know, between a couple of us and behind closed doors, everyone was thinking, oh, you know, we've got to... I think everyone was busting themselves and wanted to give it all because of Bar and because of how much Bullfrog kept saying it every week <laughs> I'm gonna do it for him and um, I think it, we we always had the self-belief but publicly I, I suppose we we didn't say we're we're gonna win it we're just gonna have a crack but beyond closed doors I think we always had the self-belief in our individual performances and the blokes that we played with the first team to do it from from six two from yeah there, so Unbelievable. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so that was a great year. Um, in 1998, there was a famous game against Parramatta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the Only somewhat. <laughs> Only somewhat. Yeah. A lot of people still talk about it today. Um, yeah. What was it like? How, how did we come back to that game? <laughs> um, I, I, you know, it's still unbelievable now. Like I've watched it and my girls will tell you, my mates will tell you, anyone that I've watched it for inspiration. I just don't know how it happened. Like they just stopped. They just stopped. Like I said, one thing we always, my time at Canterbury and it's a big part of us is our fitness. We've always thought that we trained harder than anyone else. And in my opinion, we do. So um, you see it in our fitness, like yeah, some of the other teams might be better than us, but we're always fitter than them. Or in my time, we were. And I think it, they carried on for a long time. So um, that game, I don't know. No, Brady, Brady didn't say much, but um, 
he never said much. He, he kind of was a leader by actions as well. So um, I don't remember us being down, like um, saying, you know, negative stuff behind the line or anything. I can't even remember the conversations. I just remember us saying, you know, keep going, uh, hang in there. Because we'd been on a, the same kind of journey for the past four or five weeks, I, did, I don't think score lines concerned us, which is kind of, it's not being arrogant, but I, I think we knew if we got some momentum, we could, you know, score some tries. So, um, and, you know, with our tries, we knew that it didn't matter where we scored them because, you know, we had one of the all-time great goal kickers kicking goals for us. So we didn't have to worry about where we scored them. Um, and once we got that first try, you know, I think when Para got to 18-2, and I don't know that, I don't know this, but I, I thought it, I think that they thought they had us because there was only 11 minutes or 12 minutes to go. And really, <laughs> you, you would think that too. But we never gave up. Like I said, I, I don't recall us ever saying, oh, you know, or putting our heads down. I, I can't even, even... I've watched the game a couple of times and I can't see us putting our heads down. Um, I, I don't know. It was just our fitness and, and we once we got a sniff... Um, we just were on this train that, I don't know, it just didn't want to stop. And and unfortunately, a couple of their players made a couple of errors that happened in big games with pressure and that, so that helped us. But I'd like to think you make your own luck a, a little bit too. So it was a touch of that and, you know, a touch of everything and the stars were lining for us. So, and and we, we had a team of goers. Very interesting that you say it. some of those things you just said there because we had Andy Raymond a few months ago on the podcast. He was watching that game. He's an Eels fan, obviously, watching yeah. that game from the stairs. And he was saying against the dogs that year, they were just coming back against everybody. And as power fans, they weren't even they weren't feeling comfortable at 18 2. So no. <laughs> I've actually spoken to Andy about this game. That yeah. game he asked me about it. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good man, Andy. Yes. Well, you almost got, got, oh, got off our podcast, but Matt brought up that question. Um, he almost left. Um, <laughs> but the one thing I wanted to ask, like in the Bulldogs and Eels rivalry in the 80s, it was yeah. the two dominant teams and they've yeah. had some epic battles. Yeah. But yet that one seems the one you're uh, played in the semi where you, it, Eels should have won. Yeah. And Bulldogs just wouldn't give up. And then Bulldogs end up doing it um, quite comfortably in the extra time. How does that yep. feel that fans who've experienced the 80s and everything like that, and they still go, this one's the best Bulldogs and Power game? Like, they just yeah. always ranks number one. Every time we verse Power and Matter, everyone always... Yeah. Yep. Remember when we came back? Always the first reply. <laughs> it's on everything. So how does that feel? To be uh, it's, 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 it's a great feeling because it, it was great to be part of that team anyway. But... To have that as a memory and, you know, something to look back on, you can think, well, even, you know, other games when we probably should have won or and we got beaten and then uh, games where we got beaten and we should have won. And it was just one of those games where 
if you had a meaning of never give up or just hanging in there, I think that would be a pretty good example of um, just hanging in there and never giving up and just believing, I suppose, just believing in your, your teammates and your processes and your, and your fitness and, yeah, just playing the full 80. That's probably a perfect example of playing the full 80s. So, like, for 68 minutes of that game, I, I, the sc- I don't think the score indicated the game because I think it was pretty tense anyway, but they, you know, they scored three pretty good tries. But I don't ever feel like myself or anyone else thought we were out of the game, which is kind of a strange feeling when you're getting beat by 16 with 10 to go. But I just don't recall thinking that, uh, you know, we're done. So I don't know. It's a, because we're such a proud club and because of that rivalry, it, it is a, a great game to be part of. And, and for our supporters to, you know, always be able to stick down to Barra and say, you know, we got your zen. Um, it's, it's a nice feeling. I suppose the other thing too is that you won by, ended up winning by 12 points. Yeah. Under the rules of the day. Like, <laughs> if you look at a finals game now when a team beats a team by 12 to end the season, you go, oh, that was comfortable. So to, yeah. to be that far behind on the scoreboard... Uh, 18-2 and then to win by 12 like it doesn't happen often so nah that's amazing <laughs> and, and and that's you know you, you often hear a lot of footballers and you know rugby league supporters say about momentum and once mm. you get the momentum swing it's it's hard to stop it you need a Terry Lamb or a Jonathan Thurston or an Andrew Johns to change it it's hard to change to it or you know someone making it good tackle or saving a try it's it's normally one one thing but once it turns it's really it's like climbing up Everest because it's just like everything's going your way 